Welcome in. This is 300 Yards to Unknown. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there is Eric Patterson. E-Pat, happy Valspar week. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Yeah, Valspar. Um, I'm doing well, doing well. We're in this weird like lull in the schedule between the Masters and the PGA Championship. I don't know if you feel it, but I think I'm feeling it a little bit. It's uh, We're inching closer to the PGA and then kind of kick it into the summer, summer months that I'm excited about. Right now, yeah, Valspar is what it is. We're, we'll get there. Wells Fargo next week, a new event yeah, the week nice. after that. I think it's Palmetto at Congaree is the name we're going with for that. And then uh, PGA Championship. And then, yeah, the summer is kind of crazy as usual. We're going to get some big-time events. There's an Olympics thrown in there as well. So, uh, yeah, a, a lull is probably the proper way to describe this. I mean, I don't want to sit here and complain about <laughs> you know the, the gig that is watching and talking golf all the time, but um, it is – a bit of a grind it wears on you and uh um yeah weeks like these like last week was a nice change of pace the valspar is nice solid field but yeah no complaints we're having fun did you see what taylor gooch did on twitter about 20 minutes ago i for yeah i did i <laughs> i don't know what i think about it because he was gonna refund so if you want to lay it out i i, I have an so issue a little bit. from what i understand um i'm trying to get to the genesis of this it looks like someone tweeted at him after with like a shot tracker and was like oh three straight bogeys or four straight bogeys or whatever like you stink essentially which is pretty much the lowest of low interaction you could have with a professional golfer. But that's, that's what started this. And then basically he was like, okay, like, did you bet on me? Like, did, is that, is that what the problem is here? Did you bet on me? He's like, I didn't bet on you, which again, he, now this interaction is even worse yeah. because this is like zero whatsoever. So he's like, I didn't bet on you, but I'll take $8 for some Chipotle tonight. And then actually someone who, um, I, I know he follows me and I think he's actually been in my one and done. Like I recognize the name, uh, sent Taylor Gooch screenshots of actual bets that he made on, on him. And it was like, okay, a $50, I don't know, matchup or whatever against, um, Lonto Griffin and a couple of other things and legit Taylor Gooch Venmo's this guy $50 and we've got the screenshot to confirm it. Why? Why is Gooch giving people money back? No, I don't know. This is I don't a slippery know. slope and a terrible idea, and rewards behavior that is calling people like this. The lowest of lows in this space that we are in is people who tweet at pros saying, "You suck. You cost me my money." Like that's right. the scummiest. Like I can't stand those people, and no, I, no tour pro should interact with them ever. I lost $3 in my DraftKings lineup because you missed the cut. I hate you. Let me tweet at you. Is the worst person out there. And then and Gooch is rewarding that behavior by giving the money back. Like I I, I mean maybe the guy he's giving his he sent this money to didn't say, you know, you suck, but still um yeah, giving money was, back out to fans is a maybe it, he's going after the pip. It's a small investment <laughs> in the larger game that is the pip give up 50 to earn eight mil. Yeah. So I think, so the guy who I have seen his name before and who ended up getting the money kind of swooped in on this after he had this back and forth with someone else. And he was like, Oh, you want to Venmo someone that bet on you? Like, here's my tickets. And Gooch did, which 
this should not be happening. I'm sure the tour would hate this. It, it, like it, but but this is such a slippery slope. Now all this asks for is people to send screenshots of Taylor Gooch losing bets to him with their Venmo, hoping he pays out. Yeah, and as the tour gets, yeah, this I you could you could see a scenario where the tour comes knocking on Gooch's door and saying, "Let's not do this. We're getting into bed with sports betting. We're not going to." encourage people to bet on you and then you get refunded that's really not how um i don't think that's how they want their players interacting with sports bettors but um i guess i guess gooch now has a fifty thousand dollar uh mini putt yeah. contest going on with someone else so that's that's actually what the original um back and forth was about so uh that'd be fun to watch gooch with right. 50 can line against some twitter troll that's not bad uh, yeah, which he would absolutely win. Uh, I doubt this Twitter troll has 50K to put up in a putting contest against Taylor Gooch. And if he does, uh, I don't know how he has it because that would be a pretty stupid thing to do. If I if I had an extra 50K laying around, uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be challenging professional golfers in putting contests, no matter how poor they are at putting, right? Like I wouldn't, I would not putt against Benny on in a putting contest. Um, if I or had 50K. Has, or he has so much money, he knows he can just burn it. But then I again, can't. like if you have all this money, you wouldn't be the one complaining about someone costing you a bet. So right. yeah, let's, I doubt he has 50 grand and definitely probably not good enough to beat a professional golfer in any sort of golfing competition. It is interesting though that um okay, so let's let's assume you got yourself into a fifty thousand dollar putting match with Taylor Gooch, whether it was your money or not, but you got to set the rules. Um what would you set the rules to to give yourself the best chance at this? Just on like a course, or are we going to a mini? No, it's a course? it's a putting co- well, you you set the rules. I think I would I would scope out my local mini golf course and study it like <laughs> Every day I'd play endless amounts of rounds and that's the only way I'd have an advantage is by knowing exactly where and how to hit every putt. But that's the only, only chance I would have. I would never take them to a real, a real green with like, and just line up a bunch of 10 footers. I'd get dusted. I would, I would set up one 10 foot putt. Hope he misses it. Hope I make it right. Like just, just, you want to take, you want to embrace all the variants, right? He's probably 40% to make that. You're probably not that much worse. Like I might go shorter. I might go like, yeah, six, seven feet, maybe a little, I don't know. Yeah. I, eight, I, I feet, was, eight feet to 50, 50 shot, right? On tour. Eight feet, 50, 50. Is it? Yeah. That's the, that's the mark. Yeah. Maybe 10 is a good range. I, I'm probably like 20, 10% from 10 feet. Like, yeah, but you, okay. But that's better than, that's better than you guys each take 58 footers. He's going to destroy you. He's going to destroy I, me. <laughs> and if I'm setting the rules, I'm definitely sitting there for like an hour before and hitting all the putts and then go, then call Gooch in from the sideline and then go one-on-one. Yeah, for sure. The, um, Oh, I had something else about this. Oh, I actually, there's a really interesting article or I guess theory about how amateurs should practice golf. Um, and they should practice the things that, obviously give like like there's investment in time um your investment in time is better doing certain things than others so so there's a theory that amateur golfers should only be practicing putts that are like six feet and in and 25 feet and longer and, because yeah, speed and then those power putts or bogey putts yeah. because in between that like from 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 18 feet you and the pro amateurs and pros are basically getting down in two 
like ever, most of the time that that's for everybody. So where they're better than you is like seven feet and in, and then we three putt more from 25 feet and out, they make two putts from there. So like if you were only ever going to practice certain types of putt, the putts, those should be the putts that you should practice. I mean, people probably don't even practice putting enough. They just grab the driver <laughs> oh, and go to the range. So that's also true. issue number one is uh, figuring out where to practice. But yeah, that's interesting. Now I'm going to start thinking about rolling some more 25 footers. Right. Most people go to the go and just, yeah, I, I'm guilty of it too. I go over there 15, 15 footers. I bet I put those all day long because like, Hey, I might make this. Like I, I might have one of these for birdie today. So yeah, yeah, I need to, I need to work on it. Whereas yeah, you should be practicing on not the three putt, but correct. What fun is that? Yeah. No. Well, Hey, um, okay. The, the tw golf Twitter was a Twitter, uh, this week with lots of different things. I think maybe, uh, the first one that we should get into is the announcement, or I guess it wasn't really an announcement. It was kind of confirmed to a source that Ricky Fowler, Ricky Fowler is going to receive a special exemption into the PGA championship EPAT. And um, the reason that he needs that is because he is not qualified for this event, nor is he qualified for the U S open. He is in for the open championship, uh, but with a current world golf ranking of 111 in the world and, uh, uh, not playing this week, not playing Valspar, there's essentially no chance for him to have qualified for the PGA championship without them giving him a special invite. Yeah. Do you, and it's the, he's only eligible for being inside the top 100 because he played on the 2018 Ryder Cup team as well. Correct. So they also gave out the invite to John Catlin, who's winning at an insane clip on the European tour. Well-deserved. And, like, and he's like 80th or eight top 100, he's top 90 in the world. So he's yeah, ahead he's of eight, Fowler. So yeah no, second, yeah, no issue there. Um, and I don't, I truthfully, I don't know if I have an issue with them giving it to Fowler. I want to get your take, but um, I'm kind of on the fence. <sighs> I mostly don't care. Um, and I, and I rarely care. Like when Tony Romo takes a sponsor's exemption on the corn ferry, uh, listen, there are sponsors exemptions for a reason. You can do whatever you want. They're going to give it to somebody. If they want to get more eyeballs, that's fine. If you want to give a PGA championship exemption to a popular golfer, that's fine. I don't really care. The only thing I have an issue with is that the PGA championship hangs their hat on this being like the strongest field in golf, like that, that thing, which annoys me because now it's like, well, you're handing out exemptions to guys that are not like, it's not only that he's 111th in the world, it's like end dropping right? It, it would be different if John Catlin, well, like these are two guys who are going in completely opposite directions. I just don't think you can tout the whole, this is the strongest field in golf and give Ricky Fowler an exemption. Yeah. I, I understand why they're doing it. He's clearly popular. And um, if he's on TV, people would recognize him. And I, and I also think like how many people say they just tune in uh, in May, watch the PGA championship, they see Fowler on the screen and they're just, they don't even think twice about his world golf ranking. No, you could ask, Hey, what's Ricky. And first of all, most people probably don't even know there are official world golf rankings. If you said, what's Ricky Fowler's official world golf ranking, people would be like, um, I don't know, 15, like, like just because he's popular. Yeah, no. And so the difference between if he was 99th versus 111th, um, may, I don't even, is he taking someone else's spot? Maybe that's something I should have done research. It's not like he's knocking someone out. They just added him to the field. So it's like, 
well, what, it, what is 10 spots when 99, not 90, like 75% of the people watching don't really even care about official world golf rankings to begin with. It's in one theory, guy. He has to be taking someone's spot, right? Because it's not like they're expanding the field to 157 or whatever to get Ricky Fowler in. It's going to be 156 and they're going to, but they could, they were going to use that for somebody. So somebody was going to be in the field. It just happens that Ricky Fowler is that somebody. So in theory, Yes, he's taking someone's spot, but it's not like it was it's not like he's taking a spot of someone else who qualified, if that makes sense. Yeah, he's not taking like a if you qualified you're in. You're just he's just using the invite for someone else and it has happens to be one of the most popular players on tour. I don't I I get why people would be rattled about it. It doesn't really bother me that much. It's it's one guy and it's he's He's not like 500th in the world. He's not completely falling off a map. He's still, he is dropping, but he's still one top 120, which I mean, 156 guys in the field. It's, it's, it seems like a nothing thing for me. Maybe I'm alone and not like, you know, it's a major championship. You got to hold the integrity of a major, but again, one guy, it's not like they're opening the floodgates to 10, 15 guys who just aren't deserving of it at all. Should he take it? I think he's going to take it. He's got. I mean, I know he's, he's going go to back. take it, but should he take it? <laughs> uh, I mean, what's why? What is what kind of moral high ground is he going to say? Wow, I don't deserve this. I I'm not good enough to play. Like, yeah. I don't think. Uh, I don't think Puma exactly. wants that. I don't think all the all the logos all over Fowler's um, attire want him to to sit this one out. So I don't think. I don't think he's going to pass. I think he's going to take it. I think he should take it. I mean. Okay, he should pip, take it. Pip dollars, baby. Pip dollars. You need to. You need to pay paycheck somehow. Um, I, I would take it. Don't get me wrong. I, I would definitely take it. Didn't Phil say he would not accept a U.S. Open special invite when he remember when he was like not qualified? Was it winged foot? I'm getting my years all messed up now because the schedule's been all screwed up. Yeah, remember yeah, when was, he was it winged foot? Winged foot. It was going to be for the 2021 in June. He was asked in. I actually wrote this up yesterday. Bob Herrig talked to him. Um, so yeah, last February, Phil said, I would not take it. I got to earn it. I got to qualify if I'm not good enough to play in it. I won't play in it. And yesterday he came out and said, um, he just doesn't know yet. He hasn't really decided if he would accept a, a special exemption into the U.S. Open, which I don't want to sit here and compare Mickelson to, to Ricky Fowler, but um, I think... I think Phil's more than deserving to receive a special exemption into a, a U.S. Open. Of course he is. Yeah. And, and Ricky Fowler is more than deserving to get an, an exemption into uh, the PGA Championship. Maybe not based on his current acumen, but like his career body of work, he is more than deserving. And if I were him, I would certainly take it. Did did Phil take the one for wing foot? Did he play? Yeah, he did. He missed the cut. Well, he played because uh, they didn't do the qualifying. Like, I think they just That's locked right. in like the year before qualifying or something. And just, uh, it was it was a lot more guaranteed spots. Um, but like people who are rattled about Fowler getting it are also probably the same people who are super pumped when he came onto the scene and they, and they you know, they created him. They turned him into this mega like, uh marketable golfer like america's next big thing the kid the young kid from california with the long hair like they were probably the same people who were getting all excited about him that made him so popular to begin with and now they're rattled that his popularity is getting into getting him into pga championships it's kind of uh i don't know kind of hypocritical in a way it's like they've built uh the mo so so 
I was going to call him Frankenstein, but you know, the, the monster's name is not Frankenstein doc. The doctor who created the monster is Dr. Frankenstein. Right. 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 Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, no, so just so people didn't think I was, people didn't think that I was uh, an un uncultured swine. I understand that the monster is not named Frankenstein, but it's, I mean, you, case. you probably could have said that and got to pass me with it. I wouldn't have given it much thought, but I'll, I'll pretend to know. I knew exactly what you were talking so about. So they've created the Ricky Fowler monster. And now they have to live, live with the consequences of his popularity. I think so. And I think, yeah, maybe the, the tour and um, now we're dragging it on a little too long to, to for what Fowler actually is. But at some point he was claimed to be one of like the most the best players in the world. And he, he proved that he was for a while. He was inside the top 10 for top 20 for so long. For sure. So it's again. I don't care. He'll he'll be there if he makes the cut. Great. If he doesn't, it's <laughs> final thing then because you're going where I'm going here. Would there be outrage if he won? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I, don't, I mean, it I would obviously be well deserved, right? You don't you don't backdoor yourself into yeah. a a a major championship, but would there would there would be people oh, yeah. who'd be like, he shouldn't even be in the field. <laughs> I mean, if someone shouldn't be in. If someone wins and they also shouldn't be in the field, I think they, you know, I think the, I think they're deserving to be in the field if they can go and win the tournament. I mean, if, if Tony Romo started banking a bunch of Corn Ferry Tour events, we'd be like, all right, this guy's really good at golf. Let's let him stay. So I, yeah, maybe one one guy would raise their fist in the air. But if Fowler ends up winning on a special invite, yeah, that's pretty good. That's the other thing. Uh, Tony Romo is first of all amazing at golf. That he shoots like twelve under over two days on Corn Ferry. He just gets apps. He just finishes DFL and gets absolutely lapped by the rest of these guys. Like go yeah. professional golf, those guys are so good. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. It's uh, even like Steph Curry, they same thing. When Steph Curry shot that like low 70s round in his first Corn Ferry Tour event, people were losing their minds because he was beating legit pros. And then I think he fell off a cliff. But it is impressive how even the guys coming last, they're, they're really good. Yeah, you shoot 66 or I'm sorry, 76, 76 in two rounds on the Corn Ferry. You finish dead last. And like you have my ultimate respect. That is yeah, so good. Exactly. Also having my ultimate respect, the European tour, social media, PR, what whatever you want to call this machine that pumps out the best content ever. Uh from Rory and JT trying to make aces to the angry golfers thing, to whatever else. They they constantly do it. And this week, they had Marcus Armitage. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, this, so this is great that you're saying this name. Um, I forget which, uh, I forget when you tried to say this on a podcast and I was dying laughing at you trying to pronounce Armitage. I did? Armitage, yeah. He's Armitage. come up before. Yeah. <laughs> you were calling I, he's him come like, up before? Yeah, you... <laughs> I don't know what podcast it was or, or who you were talking to, but you were struggling with Armitage and it was like Armitage, Armitage. <laughs> you were, Armitage, you were, Armitage. What's that again? Armitage. Armitage. Or Armitage. Armitage. I'm 99% certain. Anyways, I just. Um, yeah. So sometimes on like in like live chats, someone will be like, hey, what do you know about so and so? And I'm like, nothing. Like it's yeah. always some like random European guy, and I'm like uh, zero. So that's no, probably it was funny because there was like it was, you knew he was a Euro Tour guy, so you tried to throw a little European Tour flair onto his name when it's pretty there English. You there you go. Uh, he goes out and tries to. This is the the Guinness World Record that he tried to break was landing a golf ball in a speeding car. Which I don't know about you, Epat. Sounds a little made up made up to me uh but this exists and they 
so he literally uh, he has a, a driver and as a, a like a, a car driver like a racer mm-hmm. and he is this guy speeds along as he's hitting the shot and they have to try to catch the ball inside this convertible am i describing it's, that accurately yeah it's a great it's a great description and also yeah completely made up uh world record this is not one that you can just <laughs> go out and do or try it's i don't know it's that's a strange one but i mean European tour has done these like world record things before, like the fastest hole by like four guys. Like they, they come out with some really, really good stuff. And uh, this one was fun to watch. It was, I'm more impressed by the driver myself than, Me the too. Guy, than Armitage hitting it because this guy's like, I don't know how fast he gets going, but he's cooking. And he also, he's like looking up and yes. like, trying to like gauge where the ball is going to be. And he's like turning, trying to catch it. So it's uh takes some serious skill to drive that car like that. But, very early on, one of the first attempts, they like basically almost get it. I don't know if it was one of the early attempts, but the, so the record, the previous record was 273 yards. They caught one at 272. Right. Which... Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was celebrating. That's when he ripped off his shirt in celebration <laughs> and then, and then uh, had to go back to the drawing board and, and that... try it again. That would be a little demoralizing for me uh, to have that happen. They had another one where they were well over the mark, but it has to like the car has to catch it. It has to stay in the car and it bounce like it hits the dash and bounces out, which is also like that's tough too, man. Like you're like you 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 don't control whether the car catches this or not. It just has to kind of rattle around and stay. Get in. lucky, yeah. The car was taking a beating. There's some broken windshields. There's some dents on the hood, but yeah, that was European tour. I mean, I I show my wife these videos because I find them just so entertaining. Um, it goes back. There's one. Uh, they came up with one where it was like this made up interviewer who was introducing guys on the first tee. I don't know if you've ever seen this one, but they got, they had like Martin Keimer behind the scenes in this guy's earpiece. And mm. they were like, Rafa Cabrera Bayo came up and he goes, Oh, Rafa loves himself. Uh, tell him to show you, show him his abs or get him to show you his abs. And Rafa like started flashing his abs. Um, he got miss. He got Dustin Johnson and Zach Johnson mixed mixed up. So it was like, so uh, you're a two time Masters champion. You won the Open, and DJ's like, no, I'm Dustin, and like <laughs> just wasn't having any of it. I uh, yeah, they've been having some good good European tour content for years now. It's so good. Why, okay, why are they so much better at this than the PGA Tour? Or do they take it less seriously, or do they get more yeah. buy in from the players, or both? a bit of both? Probably. I think like. Just the camaraderie on the European tour is probably better. Like, I feel like they're more they're more friends. Like, you wouldn't be able to get that angry golfers video. I don't think you'd be able to get like Bryson, Brooks, DJ no. all in a room together to do that. They'd be like, get get go away. I don't have time for this shit. It also seemed like it lasted hours. Like, yeah, I don't know if you could so get the guys. Takes. There were so many takes. Like when they released the behind the scenes stuff, I was like, how are they ever gonna get this done? And yeah, I don't think you could get four or five pro PGA pros to sit there for however many hours it is and do this, or they'd all have to be like the tailor-made guys. Like that's the, yeah, it would have to be that's like, the cap, yeah. it would have to be by the brand. I don't think the tour could get it. So I, yeah, it's kudos to the European tour for getting these guys together. But yeah, the angry golfers one's great. Um, they even had like, they had one about their content team. I just think the European tour guys are just way more laid back when it comes to this stuff and I don't know, Fleetwood's so good, Stenson, Matt Wallace, Pepperell's, and all of these two. Just a good group of them. 500 shots to make a hole-in-one with Eduardo Molinari. Um, Those ones are excruciating. Like, almost feel so bad for those guys. 
the original one was Rory versus the robot. That's seven years old at this point where he's oh, wow. where he's at the driving range and there's those uh, washing machines and all that stuff. That's, that's a great one. I don't know if I've seen that one. I got to go look it up. I'll, I'll send you the link. Yeah. It's like the most popular one on, uh, on the European tour YouTube channel. They do a lot of like, um, and they also got some of the guys, they got like Hovland involved when he was there for Hovland went against beef in like a, where you have to like draw out of a hat, what club to use. And oh, Hovland's yeah. like 120 yards away in the thick rough. And it's like three iron. It's like, what am I, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Let's see, that's just such a fun mixture. Like beef is kind of, I don't even know what he's up to these days, but a character that people know and that the European tours pumped up and then Hovland, uh, he seems pretty laid back. I think he'd be good at these obviously European. So that goes into the, what we were saying earlier, but yeah, beef, beef and Hovland one's funny. Yeah, these are good. I'm just kind of scrolling through them. Yeah. You mentioned the fastest club. They do a lot of one club challenge and stuff. It's just like, guys. I mean, this could be a segue into our, I think our next topic, but I think, those types of videos do such a good job of, uh, I guess you could call it new age media. You can get to know a player without having to sit down and force them to be in an interview room. And I just think it's uh, a lot more entertaining. Like it gives you a lot more, I don't know, gives you a little bit, a peek behind the curtains on these, the, on their personalities. I love it. Uh, that is a good segue because hold on, let me see if I can find here. It is the origin of this. Um, so, the other thing that Twitter was all upset about this week was the battle of new age media versus the old age media. And this all happened because uh, I guess the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines had their media day where they invite the media out to play the course, take on these challenges, take photos. Hopefully they write good stories about it, right? Like, like, I've, have you been part of stuff like this? Maybe not going on site, but like there's, there's these media obligations. They try to get this stuff out there. You write a couple of articles, you talk about it on a podcast and you move on. Yeah, no, I've never I've been to one McKenzie tour media day, which is my big claim to fame. But I know what you nice. mean. It's just like uh, it's just it to bring hype around the tournament, awareness around the tournament. And I guess the U.S. Open, like if you want to lay out the story a bit better, I have I have little I have a little bit of a take on it, but I wouldn't say I'm like on one side or the other. So Jeff Shackelford has a blog i have to i have to admit i don't i don't really know who jeff shackleford is i have to admit that uh, out of the gate but he has a, a blog i believe or a website yeah I've, and, i haven't even found the article that he wrote to be honest but so i have i have screenshots of it so essentially it is an article uh, i believe the headline of it is sea listers rejoice u.s open preview day or days which he essentially says um the people that they invited to the quote unquote media day was a C-lister showcase and argues that uh, essentially Brian Baumgartner, who plays Kevin on The Office, who headlined it, uh, is kind of like this, the C-listers that he calls out people by name, like Roger Steele. Uh, and let's see who else he calls out by name here. Someone called the entitled housewife. That is someone from Instagram calls out golf digest, uh, Haley Ledbetter. Let's see. He was on fire. He was, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm guessing Jeff did. I don't want to sit here and rag on other media members, but I'm guessing Jeff didn't get an invite to the media day. That is the way that I took it (laughs) without knowing anything else. He was, he was upset that he didn't get an invite. That's the only way that I took it. And I could be incredibly wrong about that, but I don't understand, uh, what, what the point of this is. 
probably because we're talking about it. I, I think that's what a lot of people write stuff is to ruffle feathers and gain it and get attention back on them when he would pro- maybe would have loved to have been at this media day and um, played the course and hung out with some other, you know, like no laying up was there. I know the fried egg guys were there. So it's not like it was just a bunch of people on Instagram. There's definitely golf media, new age media, I would say that were there who learned a thing or two about the course, showed the course off, raised awareness for the tournament. So um, I'm definitely on side new. I'm on the new media side to this. I don't think what did you, there's a part in Jeff's article where he, he talked about like what it used to be, what media days used to be. And if you want to, I don't know if you have it there. I wish I pulled um, it up, but he no, talked do you about have, how, like, what, an idea. Like, yeah, get, like he talked about how it. like the traditional media day was, you know, you learn about the course, you learn about the defending champion, you learn about, um, you know, what, what the fan experience is going to be like for this new, the new tournament or the upcoming tournament. And I mean, Tory Pines, everyone and their grandma knows what Tory Pines is all about. We go there every year. Um, Bryson DeChambeau is the most talked about golfer in, in golf. So we know about the defending champion. And I mean, these people are also there to show off what the experience is like to go to a golf tournament. So his, his premise that like, this is what the old media days were like, sounds extremely boring to me. I don't, I don't, maybe I'm not like a diehard golf guy, but I don't need a breakdown of 18 holes at Torrey Pines. Why is so much of golf in general and the media as well, just like, let's do it the way we've always done it. That's what works. Like I could like, yeah, I don't, I I don't need to go find out about the defending champion or about Torrey Pines or anything like that. They shouldn't, they be trying to create buzz about the event, do fun things, get people talking about it. And eventually essentially sell tickets like that. That isn't that the goal for all of this. Like definitely is to sell tickets show off. I mean, Torrey's one of the nicest pieces of property that these guys visit. So um, yeah, he's, it just seemed like, you know, it seemed like a giant, I'm jealous. I'm very envious of all these people who are out there piece. And I'm, he's almost like getting forgotten about, which at the same time, I think old and new media, like I'm sure there are people out there who want to read about the course. So write your article and you have your, you have your audience. Like you can't just force people into reading or, or watching content that um, you think they should like. People are going to go find out the, and, and seek out the content they want to consume. And a lot of these people on Instagram is where people are consuming their content. So um, Shackelford, he made, he chirped that Roger Steele guy's Twitter following, which is like eight, 850 people or something. But I went to his Instagram and this guy has like thousands and thousands of Instagram followers all. And it's everything he posts about is golf and making golf cool. And he's out there like, uh, he's got incredible swings. So like, he obviously knows how to play. He's not just some dude who, who has a bunch of followers. So he's trying to like change the direction golf's going, which I'm all for. So, um, Shackelford just kind of barking up the wrong tree imagine that making uh golf more appealing to younger people wow what terrible what terrible thing <laughs> it's like this generation this old generation of um golf media members they just want golf and golf fans to like kind of die off as they all retire and, and move on so it's just like who's going to cover the game in the future and this is the this is the way people consume news and and content these days so it's just the, the way the world is and if you don't adapt you're gonna get left in the dust so i think that's i think he's just very kind of bitter uh well i've given him uh, enough of a free advertisement uh for jeff shackleford so i guess it works congratulations um anything else 
before we get out of here, Michael Visaki Monday qualified. Visaki. That was Visaki. a cool story. Yeah. Visaki. Yeah, that's uh, um, Monday Q info. I think everyone probably follows him, but uh, he does say like this happens almost every week. Like there's a story of something yeah. like this where a guy's either Monday qualifying into the PJ Tour or cracking onto the Corn Ferry Tour for the first time ever. So like this isn't just a one-off and um, obviously it helps when the camera's there to capture a, a cool moment, like calling your dad or making that putt. But uh, it happens way more frequently than we might think. And we typically just see these guys who Monday qualify and kind of just cross them off a list, say whatever, but there are stories to be told out there. So that was uh, that was really cool. He's won like, I don't want to get the number wrong, but I want to say like 45 times on these like mini tour events. It might be more than that. It might be more than that, but like He's he a- is, a mini tour grinder this is i mean when i first saw him qualify i was like dude this is last year at this time and we had no golf but these mini tours were firing up michael visaki yeah. was like 10 to 1 8 to 1 on these one day west florida golf tours he's the uh all-time money earnings leader on that on that tour One hundred forty-one thousand in mini tour earnings which is like these guys that's play wild. for he wins like two grand if he wins a tournament so that's yeah. a lot of dubs <laughs> It's a it's lot great. of stuff. Like he, uh, I mean, do you remember when we were tracking those odds? Like Jazz, yes. Daniel Wadanon was playing like a bunch of like, uh, um, there was there another was guy who came over. Callum, yeah, Callum, uh, Shink- was Jacklin it him? or Shinklin? There was yeah, a I Scottish so. guy. Yeah. There's a Scottish guy who goes out there, but like Daniel Chopra was out there. So it, it's just funny how, um, almost like a year later, the guy we were, we were sweating for because he was he was such a stud. Now he's just cracking into PGA Tour events, but I don't think he's going to make the cut. But he played well. Let me see here. I have this um, in my uh, not to pump my own bags here, but I had this in my newsletter. Just like how how different. Um, so did you hear DJ's comments about his trophies? No. Oh, so they asked DJ. They asked him about the Valspar trophies. Like that's pretty nice. Um, and they asked him where he keeps all his trophies. He goes, they're in a box at home. Like, so there you got on one hand, you got number one player in the world, DJ, can't even be bothered to take his trophies and display however many wins he has, 20 wins, doesn't even care, whatever, million bucks here, million bucks there, doesn't matter. And then you got Visaki, who is like grinding seven years to get one start on the PGA Tour. He cries when he makes a putt on a Monday, like just the polar opposite ends of professional golf i would say in in one tournament and yeah they could not be competing at the same time what i don't really know how many other sports you can get the number one player in the world and then a guy who's like grinding for seven eight years to crack one game like competing in the same game i don't i don't know no it's, other sports uh, the rare doesn't occurrence. exist he shot a 74 three over par on Thursday. He has played three holes on Friday. As we record this, he is even par. The cut line probably going to be one under. So he's got some work to do if he's going to make the cut. But so far, so good. He's been he's been steady. He's been just fine. Probably nervous beyond belief. Uh, okay. EPAT, much appreciated as usual. Uh, we can find your work on the score. We can find your quick nine. I'll link that in the description as well. Uh, anything else on the way out? Got nothing for you, Rick. I think, uh, I think we covered it. We did a good job there covering it all. Boom. There we go. Gave ourselves an A plus. We did a great job covering it. I <laughs> love it. On the back. <laughs> uh, all right. Follow Eric on Twitter at EPACOff. You can follow me at Rick Run Good. This has been 300 Yards to Unknown, and we will catch you next.